ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, thanks for joining Western Contours as we bring you El Calling Academy's Feature Friday. This week, Michael talks about calling strategies for different stages of the elk rut. Enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, my name is Michael Batiste. I'm from the Elk Calling Academy and this is Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. All right, so... First off, to really talk about the different phases of the rut or my calling approach, I think we need to kind of talk about what's going on during each of those phases. So because it's kind of important, um, you know, to uh, what's going on. In fact, Josh Nordwell from YouTube put first part of September silent elk options. So, Josh, I'm going to talk about some things that, in fact, last year on opening day here in Idaho, which was August 30th. We got into nine different bulls. Actually, throughout that whole first weekend, we got into, uh, what was it, 14, 16 different bulls. And I think of those bulls, we had 12 of them bugling just because of what we do. So, all right. So during that pre-rut phase, pretty much what's going on is, you know, the bulls are breaking up from their bachelor groups and they're establishing their pecking order, they're establishing their dominance, and they're also rounding up cows. It can be that time where there's not a lot of bugling action, but you can get a lot of rutting action. And that's one thing that so many people, when they think about bugling or rutting activity, or man, those bulls were hot, they focus solely on the amount of bugling that bulls are doing, but there's still a lot of activity. And remember, a response is not necessarily a bugle back to you. A response could be a bull coming to you, a bull raking. There's a lot of different sounds 
that Charles Buchanan, I like it, but you know where I'm going with this. Um, but there's a lot of different sounds that because they're low audible sounds, you don't hear them from a distance. And so you don't think you're getting responses. And a lot of times that response, like I said, a bull coming to you, um, because we get so impatient, you know, we, we want to go cover as much ground and seems how it is. And, um, you know, just hunting and searching for that bugle. So there's actually a lot of elk that we walk by. So, um, you know, in fact, Nicholas Curry seems like the rut is different in each state. To some extent, yes, but I've also hunted multiple states and have seen the same type of response and the same type of activity within those different states. So remember, elk or elk, it doesn't matter if they live in Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico, Washington, Oregon, elk or elk, an elk breed, an elk or herd animals, an elk or vocal. They are a herd animal that, you know, are vocal. They are very um, social. So um, Senate Outdoors learned this the hard way, spooked a lot of bulls out of impatience in Utah. It happens. And, you know, that's all part of that impatience and being patient is all part of, um, you know, really learning the game and really learning the biology and learning what's going on with the elk. So, so okay, pre-rut, remember, breaking up from their bachelor groups, establishing their dominance, establishing their pecking order, rounding up cows. So, um, then you go into peak rut. Peak rut is when most of the breeding happens. You still can get some breeding happening in the pre-rut because you will have some cows that will come in early, but peak rut is when most of the cows are bred. Then you go into post-rut, which a lot of the big herd bulls at that time break away from the group, go back into solitude or maybe regather into their bachelor groups. Uh, the rest of the herd is kind of staging, waiting for their migration to their winter grounds. But there is still a little bit of breeding going on because there's cows that come in late. So, uh, K. Grant McCown, when is the best time this year to hunt the rut? You know, funny you should Ask that because I was studying moon or, you know, the lunar calendar for September earlier today and studying a couple of other things. Um, so we're going to hold that question for a future episode because I'm going to do a whole episode on what I think is going to be um, kind of the peak red activity for this year um, and based off all the stuff that I'm finding. So, um Jack Keithley, so pre-rut, sound like a smaller bull? Not necessarily. Tad Sherman, how many teeth do elk have? They have two large right in the front of their mouth. They almost look like chiclets. So uh, <laughs> peak rut is the best time to hunt rags. They are dumb as a door. So, okay. So we've kind of talked about um, the peak rut. <laughs> it depends if they have a list. Tad, I love you. It do it. it, it, it so my approach during all of these really doesn't change a whole lot in the way that I start. So the best piece of advice I ever got 
was how can you write a book for a story that hasn't even happened yet? And that I kind of had to ponder on that. And really what that means is each encounter with every bull is a little bit different. There's not one cookie cutter style. There's not one cookie cutter way that is going to work with every single bull that you encounter. Each one's different. Each situation's a little bit different. You know, are they a solo bull? Do they have a herd? Are they a herd bull? Are they a raghorn that's just cruising looking for cows? You know, there's a lot of different things that play into this. So, uh, Andrew Walla, do elk breed in their summer range or between summer and winter range? Andrew, they actually breed in their breeding grounds, which is in that month of September. It's the autumn equinox that kind of triggers the rut. So, you know, mid to tail end of September into the first part of October. So, all right. Yeah, Robert, or if they've got already got their butt kicked. So, now the reason I say my approach really doesn't change. Uh, oh, look at that. Perpetual Wanderer. You found service in that little slice of heaven that you're living in. I love it. Welcome. So, so what I mean by I don't really change is I start the exact same way, whether it's day one of the season or it's the last day of the season. And basically what I've done is I've done my homework in the area that I'm hunting. Okay. I've put out, I've put out trail cameras during the summer. I have taken scouting trips. I've studied maps. Um, I have a really, really good idea of where those elk are, where they feed, where they bed, you know, their travel corridors, their morning travel corridor, their evening corridor. But basically the way I start every morning, and again, like I said, it doesn't matter if it's day one or the last day of the season, I have a location in my mind I want to get to. And typically that location is on the fringe of a bedding area. Now, very rarely do I go back into the same place day after day. That's why I will pick spots where I can bounce around and hunt different places. That's why I like base camp in a truck because I can easily jump into that truck and drive 25, 30 miles up the road or down the road and hit a different draw, hit a different area that I'm working different elk. The reason I do that is the longer that you can keep the elk in their normal patterns, the more chances of them being in that area and the more opportunities that you have with that group. So, okay. So the way I start each morning, I'm usually working up the trail or working in the dark a little bit because I want to listen for some bugles in the dark. Elk are usually pretty vocal and pretty active at night. Even during the pre-rut, you can get some nighttime bugling activity because remember that first part of the season, it's pretty warm during the day. So they're going to be more active at night when you have that cooler weather. And because they're establishing that pecking order, because they're, you know, rounding up those cows, they can have that more activity in the evening. So, um, now, as I'm moving, you know, towards the fringes of those bedding areas, I am doing location bugles. So, and remember location bugles, they're just nice and relaxed.
There's no big finish to it. It's just a nice, relaxed call that's just saying, hey, where's everybody at? Now, I'm also going to pay attention to my surroundings. Um, we've all been there. We've, uh, you know, heard other people out there. And they just, it, it, it seems like they take 20, 25 steps and they're bugling again. Another 20, 25 steps bugling again. So, um, I pace my bugles based on how thick the terrain is. So obviously in thicker terrain, I'm going to locate more often, but as I'm kind of moving and as I'm locating, there's a few things that I'm kind of paying attention for. One, obviously I'm listening for, listening for bugles. I'm listening, um, you know, for something to either pipe off back to me or just crack off on their own. But the other thing I'm also doing is I'm generally trying to move with the wind in my nose, which means I'm starting at elevations, working up. So, you know, morning thermals are coming down. So I have that in my face. The reason is a few different things. One, man, if I can smell them, then I know that they're not too far ahead of me. Or you start looking and it could have been that they came through there not too long ago and one of them had peed and you're finding fresh sign. So you're not just hiking to cover ground. You're listening. You're looking for fresh sign. You're listening because it may be you might just hear them moving and cracking sticks or moving through the brush up ahead of you. So if you're not paying attention to those things, you're not going to hear them. Now, typically a lot of times during the pre-rut time frame, we typically don't get a lot of responses back. And I've heard, you know, a few people have commented about, you know, elk are not vocal. They're uh, really, really quiet. So um, you may not get a lot of responses back and that's okay. So because really what we're wanting to do is get up on the edge of those bedding areas anyway where they're going. And then we kind of break into, I guess you would call it a blind calling sequence or a silent calling routine. And, and what that means is because there's not a lot of bugle activity from these bulls, we break into this routine. And you guys have heard me talk about it, the breeding sequence. I will break into the breeding sequence from day one. And if you guys really want to know about the breeding sequence, if you really want to know what's in it, um, you know, we've, we've got on, over on our Patreon page, we've got herd bull only, which herd bull, it's $15 a month for a herd bull. Uh, you get uh, your first month, you get your choice of an elk calling Academy hat or a shirt. You have herd bull only instructional videos, which is the information that I teach in the one-on-one -on -one lessons. We have three videos up right now that just starting through the series. Um, we just got done with all the cow sounds. We're breaking into all the bull sounds, what they mean, how to do them. And then once we get that done, then we're breaking into the breeding sequence and everything in. But so pre-rut, you know, you're, you're in this blind calling, silent calling routine. And basically you're doing this breeding sequence. And what a breeding sequence is basically is that you are a breeding age bull that has a cow that is in estrus. That is the picture that you're portraying. But there certainly 
is a price or, or a pace that you have to go. Um, because remember, there's not a lot of elk vocalizations, you know, going on. So you kind of have to tailor, you know, you guys have heard me say it, match your environment, match your surroundings. And that's key. You also have to match what stage of the rut you're in. So pre-rut, I'm going to do a series of calls and then I'm going to break two to three minutes. And usually when I'm doing these breeding sequences, I have a few trees picked out that I make my way around. This is what we did 2018 season that an hour after sunup, we had two bulls, the top two bulls on my hit list coming up the mountain bugling at us. We had gone through the area and done location bugles where they came from with not even a peep. But as soon as I got up into that travel corridor on the edge of their breeding or, or their bedding area and started doing this breeding sequence, these mature bulls, these breeding age bulls recognize those tones. They recognize those sounds because these are only sounds that you will hear during September, during the rut. They know what's going on. They, they, they know the situation. They immediately know that there's a bull with a hot cow. And most breeding age bulls will want to come and scent check the air and make sure that that cow is actually an estrus and they want to try to breed her. Now, there's, there's a few keys here that once you get that bull bugling, the mistake that a lot of people make is they immediately start engaging that bull. The only problem is as soon as you start engaging that bull, if you get too aggressive with him, especially during this pre-rut time, if he's not in that aggressive mindset, you're going to push that bull away. You're going to lose him. So one of the key things with that breeding sequence is you stay in your story. You stay in that picture that you are painting. So, Josh, how far between the trees? You know, there's there's not a set. I mean, you know, some trees could be 10 yards apart. Others could be 15, 20. Um, it, it, it just, it all depends on the different areas. Now, once once the snow melts, and I, I don't know the way Mother Nature has been going lately, but once the snow melts, and have the ability to get up there. I am going to film some videos for the Patreon page where you guys are going to actually see me in a setup. I'm going to show you what I look for in a setup, how I set the shooter up, and then what I do as that caller back there in this breeding sequence so you can actually see it firsthand out there and see how I move and do everything involved in that. So, so Josh, there's, there's really not uh, a set distance on that. So, now, I, I told you kind of ignore that bull and focus on your on your on your picture. Focus on that portrait you're painting because that really that's what we're doing when they're out there when we're out there calling is we are basically painting a picture in that elk's mind of what's going on. That's why it's critical to understand their vocalizations and understand what's going on so that you can paint the most accurate picture that there is that you can have realism that what you're that the sounds that you're making match what you're trying to say. So, um, 
Now, even though you're going to kind of ignore that bull, there's going to come a time that, you know, his aggression level is going to rise and you will know when it's time to engage that bull. He's going to he's going to rock you to the inner core with a bugle and it's either going to be a challenge bugle or it's going to be an extremely sharp lip ball that you're going to know at that point, okay, I have him to the point that now all of a sudden I can turn and I can engage him and I can actually ramp up the aggression. Cuz what what basically you're doing with all this is you're kind of taking the temperament or take the temperature of um, Stephen. Hey there, coach. Sorry, I didn't catch the topic. So Stephen, we're just talking about different calling strategies for different phases of the rut. And right now we're kind of talking about the the, the pre-rut phase. So, all right. Um, so you're taking that bull's temperature because there could be times and and in my lessons and I've done this with a couple of you guys the last couple of weeks so one of the things that I'll do sometimes with the one-on-one lessons is I'll pull up videos um and have bulls bugling and I'll ask you guys to tell me what you're hearing what's the mindset what's going on how are you going to um you know respond back and it's interesting because there's there's one bull particular that I've done the last couple of weeks that all this bull does is location bugles. And so, I mean, he's coming in, but all he's doing is location bugles. And that's where I've said that so many people kind of want to push and rush things that, oh, that bull's bugling. I'm going to go ahead and get aggressive with him. I'm going to scream at him. And getting too aggressive too early can intimidate that bull and push him off. And it's, and it's funny because in this video, all of a sudden this bull comes walking in and on the left, he's a gorgeous six, but on the right, just past his third, he broke off his main beam. He's a large bull that was probably a herd bull that had cows that snapped his antler in a fight, got his butt kicked, lost his cows. And so that's one of those cases that you get too aggressive with him too fast, he's just going to go the other way. So, um, so that's where, you know, you staying within that breeding sequence, you staying within that story can get him to elevate his game. And then as soon as you, you hear that elevation or that aggression level, then you can turn that aggression. So, now, the other thing, let me let me do this before I jump into the next one. We've had a lot of things rolling in here. Uh, to, 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 to This last year was weird for bow season. They weren't even talking. I have a friend that rifle hunted and had bugling bulls. Yeah, this past rut for 2018 here in Idaho, they didn't even hit peak rut until third week of October. It didn't really make any sense to me because all the forecasts that I saw, but now with the winter winter storms that we've been having, I mean, Bogus Basin right outside of Boise has received 130 inches of snow just in February alone. So um, August 24th, opening on Oregon coast, should we use more raking or cow muse? No, you can still... Um, you know, you can still break into this breeding sequence. So, because because that's the thing with this, especially during early times, 
they're curious. You, you know, they're they're going to come see what's what's going on. They're going to go, hey, okay, this is what we're getting ready for this time of year. So. Uh, branch antler bulls or spikes, which is easier to call in. Not that calling elk is ever easier. Branch, uh, you know, smaller branch antler bulls and spikes are pretty easy to call in. And Matthew, um, if I've got time tonight, I'm going to kind of hit one more thing towards the tail end that will kind of help you with that. So, uh, Jay, what if they stay in the same stay in the same spot for a few days? You know, an elk will. Um, you know, a lot of times if you get in areas where there's a lot of wolves, they'll kind of be on a two or three day cycle rotation, and you kind of got to figure that out. So, Charles, when are we starting Patreon herd bull Q and A? Um, probably next month. I actually have a couple of more shows to get through, and then we'll start that on Thursday nights. So. And that's another advantage of being uh, a Patreon member. Um, we have a Patreon-only live Q&A section where I can dive into a lot of the information a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to presume that the bulls go where the cows are. Not sure, actually. Do the cows have a particular area they go to every year? For example, breeding area and the bulls already know to head there. Yes and no. So, you know, during the summer... You know, your bulls are typically at higher elevations, a lot of times up above tree line. Your cows are down at lower elevations where grasses are more plush uh, because, you know, they're dropping calves. They need that good grass to produce milk. And that's all part of that pre-rut phase. It also where those bulls establish the pecking order, then they loop down, round up their cows, and then they push their cows to their bedding or to their breeding zone, their, their bedroom. Bulls will go back to the same breeding area year after year. They're comfortable with it. They know where it's at. They feel safe. So they'll go there. Um, do you cow call as you walk? Why or why not? Um, not very often. So reason being is it's just a dead giveaway of where you're at. And too many times, you know, you're walking along, your cow calling, and here comes an elk trotting down the same trail that you're walking up or this or that. I've just had those interactions happen too many, too many times. So, Matthew, how far will your location bugle reach out? That really depends on how thick the terrain is. So, you know, if it's a little more open, you know, you could, you could get a couple hundred yards out there. So maybe even a little bit more. In fact, that's one of the things that I want to do again on another on another video that I'll post on to YouTube is I'm going to get different distances away from the camera and do bugles so that you can hear how those different distances affect the bugle and also pay attention to high note, mid note, and low note, which notes you can hear from the different distances. So uh, like prom week makes sense. Uh, when you talk about breeding areas, you mean from prior experience, scouting, e-scouting, or just general knowledge of the area? What about hunting a new area for the first time and no elk heard or spotted? So, yeah, the bedding areas, and we've kind of talked about this in past. Um, so when you go into a new area and you're hunting that area, this is where you really want to do your night bugling, your night listening, because, you know, like I said, elk a lot of times will be more vocal. They'll be more active at night. So you go into this new area, you know, and you can you can go out either late at night or you can get up really early in the morning and go. But listen for bugles. You hear those bugles at night. You know that's feeding ground. 
And then you can start working to those feeding ground and then just follow those bugles. Those bugles will lead you to their bedding area. So, and what you've done right there, just on that first night and first morning, you've located feeding, morning travel corridor, and bedding area. And then you hang out around the outskirts of that bedding area, keeping the thermals in your favor. Then in the evening, and then when they roll out, now you just finished that loop. Now you just figured and found their, their evening travel corridor. So, okay. Now, one other thing that we will do sometimes during pre-rut, because people have said it and we know it, they're not as, they're not as vocal. We will make them get excited. And the way we'll do that is, and this works best if, if you have a partner, if you have somebody with you for your solo guys, sorry, this one's going to be a little tough. But what we will do is, is we've already established who the shooter for that day and who the caller for that day is. So the caller, you know, we'll get to the area, we'll get set up to, you know, where we want to do this. And the caller will start breaking into this breeding sequence the shooter will kind of move off one direction a little bit and they will start acting like a bull that's bugling and responding to my breeding sequence, to what I'm doing. And again, I'm going to treat him just like a bull. I'm going to ignore him and keep doing what I'm doing. Now, I'm going to ramp up that, that breeding sequence a little bit because it's almost like starting a fire. Okay, you start with small kindling, then as the fire gets larger, you add larger logs to it to build that fire larger and larger. That's what you're doing with this breeding sequence. You're ramping up this excitement. You're ramping up this anticipation. Well, as I'm ramping up mine, he's responding. He's ramping up his excitement also. And by doing this back and forth, we've actually got other bulls before that have all of a sudden got interested into what's going on over here, and they've started bugling. But again, we ignore him for a little bit, and we just focus on what we're doing until his excitement level reaches a point that now we engage him. As soon as I start engaging the actual bull, my hunting partner will go silent and then he'll slip out front in between me and that other bull to cut him off. Jeffrey Gallon, how you doing, brother? Hey, Jeff, give me a call. I need to talk to you about uh, July and coming and staying with you. So, um, so that's another way that the two of you calling back and forth can create this excitement. And that's really what you're doing. You're creating that excitement that these bulls all of a sudden – they don't want to miss out on. They want to be a part of it. And that's what got that's what gets them bugling. That's what gets their excitement level. That's what gets their adrenaline going and raised up. So, so that's kind of pre-rut. You know, you're basically creating excitement. So uh, let's see. Two, 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 two. Killed my first bull this year with a bow using what Mike is talking about, but applied late season. Yeah, Charles Charles basically applied this in November, December, and shot his uh, first bull with a bow. So, uh, talk dirty. Bulls want a girlfriend, not a fight. Not necessarily. So, all right. Now, let's roll into peak rut. So, obviously, peak rut 
there is a lot more activity because you do have cows coming into estrus. You have bulls that are battling and wanting to breed that cow. You have the herd bull that's protecting his herd. You have the satellites that are all trying to come in and, and there's just a lot of commotion. Now, the one thing that we do that kind of separates us apart and I've, is, is that night bugling. Uh, the reason the night bugling is effective is because we already have elk located and we are going into areas that we know there are elk. So, um, and it could be with the night bugling, it could be that, you know, they really don't um, bugle a ton, but just enough to let us know they're there. Now in the in the peak rut, it's kind of a little nicer because now you know I'm still taking that same approach. I'm still starting low in the morning and working up, and I'm locating as I'm going. The only difference is is now once you get that response, now it's game on. So, um, and and here here's the other thing, real quick, guys. If you're out night bugle and you get a response. Don't sit there and keep calling to the bull. You know where he's at. I've made that mistake before. Uh, drew, a, drew a pretty coveted tag here in, in Idaho one year, and we went out night bugling, and we ended up calling in three bulls to within about 50 yards of us because it was just there were so many bulls screaming in this area, and it was so cool, but we kept bugling. And they ended up coming in. So so really, your, your main purpose with night bugling is just to locate. Once you have locate, you're done. Don't sit there and keep bugling. So... Now, okay, peak rut, we're doing the same thing. We're, we're moving up the hill, we're gaining elevation, we're locating, we get a response. Perfect. We're gonna pinpoint that response where that response is, and then now all of a sudden we're gonna do some quick calculating. Where's that bull at? How long is it gonna take us to get over there? What time of morning is it? Are we gonna get over there before the thermals change? And is he in the same spot or is he moving? These are all things that you have to calculate real quick. A lot of times too, since it is peak rut, as you're moving towards that bull, they will continue to bugle so that you can keep tabs on him. You can keep tabs of where he's at. That is going to help you with your approach. Now, the mistake a lot of people make is they will stay low until they're under the bull and then start coming up. That's absolutely disastrous because I can guarantee the thermals, there's a good chance the thermals will change or swirl sometime in that and he's going to get a nose full of you. That's why we typically gain elevation as we go towards him because we want to end up on that same plane with him, that same level. Now, the thing with this is because we have a vocal bull, we know where he's at. Now we're going to try to move so that we're within about 125 or 150 yards of him. You don't have to get right on top of him. So once we get that 125, 150 yards, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to set my shooter up. Meaning I'm on same plane with that bull, have a pretty good idea of which direction he's going to come in. So I'm going to set my shooter up and then I'm going to turn around and look back. And I'm going to see how far back 
I need to go because what I'm trying to do is set my shooter up in that hang up spot where this bull is, where that bull is going to come up and stop to be able to see that elk that's making noise. Then I'm going to drop back. And guess what? I break into the breeding sequence. I start telling the story. But since it's peak rut, you can actually kind of ramp it up a little bit faster. You can get into some more of the sounds a little bit quicker. So, um, now again, as that bull kind of starts responding to what I'm doing, and this is what's going to pace you. Now, remember, pre-rut, we actually paced our call and sequences out, you know, two to three minutes. But during peak rut, the fact that, you, you know, you're generally getting a response. So you can actually go and respond or basically go into your next little paint stroke or, you know, painting the picture. You can go into it a little sooner. You don't have to wait. But you're still going to pick the trees. You're still going to move around. You're still going to do, you know, your... Your, your cow sounds, your bull vocalizations, your raking, you know, all these things kind of mixed in. And again, you're waiting for that bull. You're taking his temperature because you're still trying to see what you're dealing with. If he never does elevate and get aggressive, you're not going to elevate and get aggressive. But as soon as he elevates and get aggressive, then you can elevate your responses and you can get aggressive back. And you can, at that point, once his aggression level really rises, then you can actually engage him and start working him. I can guarantee, guys, that if you do this, you will not push bulls away. You won't intimidate them because you're, the breeding sequence is not. And, and in fact, if, if you had an opportunity to really sit there and basically watch a bull that has a hot cow, watch how he acts. And it's really cool because if you can watch him when there's no bulls around versus when there are bulls around, you'll see that his demeanor is completely different. And what I mean by that is when that bull has his cow and he's by himself, there's no other bulls pestering, his main focus is on that cow. And really, what is she doing? Really dogging her? When is she ready? But you start throwing other bulls into the mix, and now he starts getting into a defensive posture, a defensive mode. That's basically what you're doing while you're painting this picture. Now, that bull that's by himself, there could be bulls four or 500 yards away that are bugling, and he's not giving them the time of day because they're not close enough to be a threat. But once they get close enough and they break that bubble, his comfort bubble, that's when he's going to go on the defensive. That's when he's going to become aggressive. So backcountry e-bikes, what do you do when the bull is only chuckling? Some bulls will only chuckle. So still continue and keep doing that breeding sequence. Continue doing the same thing. I mean, we had, we had one bull a few years ago that we nicknamed him Chuckles because that's all he would do. He would just crack off, I mean, a dozen chuckles. Boom, 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 boom. And, you know, we just kept going, kept going. And we thought he was kind of just something wrong, just, you know, this eh, not really interested. And then we finally saw him after about the third or fourth encounter. He was a pretty stud bull. So, okay. So now, as you can see, between pre-rut and peak rut, we really haven't changed a whole lot. The only thing that's really changed 
is that bull interacting with the location bugles and letting us know where he's at. So the difference pre, you know, pre-rut, we're kind of doing blind calling to kind of get the party started. With peak rut, we have a bull located. And there are some times, even during peak rut, that you won't get a response that then you just fall back into that blind calling, that you create that excitement, you create that, that energy. So, okay, uh, to do completely off topic, and I apologize, but I keep forgetting to ask, will you be at the Bighorn Show in Spokane? Michael Hamilton, no, I will not be at the Bighorn Show this year. So... Tim, so be a hot cow with an interested bull and keep the story going and don't challenge until he's ready, basically. In a nutshell, Tim, that's really basically about it. But the really the thing that we focus on more in our breeding sequence is the bull vocalizations. Okay? Because remember, cows will do their vocalizations year-round. Bulls will locate bugle year-round. But... Those sounds that are associated with that breeding sequence and associated with the rut are only done during September. Okay. I've never heard a bull glunk in the summer range. I've never heard a bull glunk in winter range in January. So that's why a lot of these sounds that we really focus on within the breeding sequence are synonymous with September and synonymous with the rut. That's why they're so effective. Now, the other question I get a lot is, am I really worried about sharing this information and having everybody else out there doing it? No, because all we're doing is acting like elk. We're acting the way their behavior is. We're acting the way their vocal patterns and speech patterns are based on that situation. So if everybody is acting like elk, are elk going to be able to know the difference between whether you're a human or you're an elk? They're not going to really be able to hear because of all the different sounds that are involved and all the different frequencies they're not going to know. And plus, I mean, they are tuned into that breeding sequence. They're tuned into those sounds. So, uh, seems like the bull's chuckling was pushing his cows away. What do you think? Uh, you know, without really knowing the whole situation on that, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, was he pushing them away or was it that he was just actually heading to his, uh, you know, bedding area and he was chuckling to kind of keep in contact with you saying, hey, we're just heading this way. So that's one thing that I, I hear a lot is people think that elk are really pushing them the other way when in reality, they're just, they're going to where they want to go and they're being vocal back to you to just let you know where they're heading. And they're saying, hey, come on, come, come with us. So uh, good evening. What's your choice of cow calls? Which product, for instance? Uh, you know, open read cow calls, I like the custom series from Native. Um, I, I just really like the tones that they produce. Another another one that I really like is the Trophy Wife from Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. And the new Mini Cow Call from Phelps are pretty good. As far as a read, um, you know, I used last year, I used the Rip It one and a half quite a bit. Um, this year I'm going to use the Elk Calling Academy one and a half, which, oh yeah, guys, any day they'll be available. So, uh, so 
Matthew, I hope that kind of answers your questions about, uh, you know, which cow call. Uh, a while back, someone mentioned full moon on the 14th. I thought the equinox 21st and 10 days before was the time to key on. Can you explain? Okay, so Bill, the autumn equinox, which is typically the 21st or 22nd of September right in there, the autumn equinox is what triggers the rut. Most cows are bred within a 7 to 14 day window of that autumn equinox. Now, there are several factors that play into that, whether it is early, you know, whether the seven to 10 days is before that autumn equinox, if the autumn equinox falls in the middle, or if the rut happens after that autumn equinox. But typically the autumn equinox, the equal amount of daylight and nighttime is the way the light enters the pupils of the cow and all this scientific stuff, but that's what triggers the rut, okay? The upcoming winter can also have a play on the rut. 2018, we did not see really full rut activity until third week of October. Well, here we are in February getting hammered with snow, which means there's going to be snow late in the mountains. And those cows don't want to be dropping calves when there's still a bunch of snow on the ground. The calves won't survive. They don't have the grasses to produce the milk. So they can key in on that. Now, the full moon this year, I actually looked at it uh, today, like I said, is right around that autumn equinox time. If I remember right, I'm saying the full moon about the 21st of September, which means the week after it, that full moon is going to disappear and you have a dark week right after the equinox. So... Uh, to, to, to Robert, if you locate night bugle and get a response, make a note and leave. Okay. I like how you guys are having a conversation about ready nutrients. I love it. Uh, <laughs> who makes these flavors? It's ready nutrients. Okay. Jack responded. So Robert break his zone of defense. Exactly. Have you ever used a bark to get a bull to show himself as an offensive tactic and make your call seem more legit? Bill, I've used the bark a lot, but typically I don't bark first. I want to focus on what I'm doing. And then when that bull or cow, when that elk barks, that's when I'm going to bark back. And all a bark is, is basically that elk saying, I'm not comfortable with the situation. You need to show yourself Basically, by you barking back, you're kind of saying the same thing to them that, hmm, you need to show yourself to me. So, all right, one more question, then we'll jump into post-rut. Uh, what is the best diaphragm for a beginner to start with? So, Tom, I'm going to give you three. The reason three is because there's three different sized frames and you need to figure out which one fits you the best. The Black Amp from Phelps Game Calls is the small, the narrow frame. The Mellow Yellow Mama from Rocky Mountain Hunting Supply, or Rock, Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. That's your medium. And then the Rip It Red from Native by Carlton is the wide. You first need to really figure out which diaphragm fits the roof of your mouth the best. By you ordering those three, you're gonna have a narrow, a medium, and a wide. All three are single light latex and designed really good for beginners, um, but that will also really help you with fit to find the best diaphragm that works for you as far as size. 
Are you saying that dark week after the equinox is most likely better? So the last week of the month? Um, I'm not ready to say that yet. I have a little bit more information, Stephen. So that's why I said we'll kind of table that conversation about the best week or what week you might want to take off for a uh, uh, future episode. So, oh, real quick. Okay. Our good friends at Outdoor Hunting Addiction has sent us three of their new silicone cups. Okay. We have one green, one orange, one white. So I'm just going to go through and I'm going to pick a random winner. The last thing I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to pick one winner from Instagram, one from Facebook, one from YouTube. So three of you guys are going to win one of these. So thank you to Mr. Jack at Outdoor Hunting Addiction. If you guys don't go follow his page, please go do so. He also has some new cover scents coming out, sage, pine, and earth that look really, really cool. So, all right. Uh, Post rut. Now, post-rut really is going to kind of fall back into the same approach as pre-rut. Your, your bugle activity, your vocalizations and all that really start kind of winding down a little bit. But the thing with, the, the, the thing with that post-rut, what's kind of interesting is because you can get some days that are kind of like pre-rut and you can get other days that feel like peak-rut because of with everything going on, because you still have some late breeding action going on. So you're still going to do the same approach. You're going to start in the morning. You're going to locate. If you get a response, then you're going to move in on the response, set up, do the breeding sequence and engage that bull when, when you know the time is right. If you don't get responses, then you're going to get to areas that you find fresh sign or on the edge of bedding areas. And you're going to break into the breeding sequence in that blind calling or silent calling type approach. So that's why post rut sometimes can be really, really interesting because not only does it change from day to day, but sometimes it can change within that day. Meaning you could have a pretty quiet morning, but then all of a sudden the evening time is just insane with bugles and elk activity. So it's just funny how that can kind of kind of switch really quick. Now, the one thing I talked about, you know, or, or brought up earlier, somebody asked about small raghorns or spike. If you just want to go out and shoot any elk, you don't care if it's a cow, a spike, a small bull, you just want an elk. The best piece of advice I can give you and the easiest thing to do is get into an area where you find fresh sign. Okay, so you're moving along, you, you know, you're doing some location bugles and you come across some fresh sign. You come across fresh tracks, fresh pea spots. You can smell them. Uh, you know, the droppings are still green. They were just there. Figure out the wind, find the thermals. And if there's a trail right there, get on the downwind side of the trail. Knock an arrow. And then all you're going to do two, three, four soft cow calls. Then you're going to wait five minutes 
then you're going to repeat that again. Stay in that same place for an hour. Constantly be scanning the woods around you. Elk are curious. This is a new voice. You're doing something that's non-threatening, but their curiosity, they're going to want to come see who this new cow is. Who's making this noise? Who just came into our area? I don't recognize that voice. We've had it happen time and time again, even during the middle of the day. This is what we do during the middle of the day a lot of times when elk have gone to bed. So we'll let them go to bed for a couple of hours. Then we'll do this hour sequence during the middle of the day. If nothing comes in in an hour, get up and keep following those tracks. Until eventually you get on the edge of the bedding area and then set up and just do these two, three, four soft cow calls. Wait five minutes, do it again. But the key is you have to have an arrow knot and you have to constantly be scanning around and looking. This is exactly the technique that Charles did in December went out two times. The first morning he did this, he was only in this routine for 15, 20 minutes, and he actually had a um, a large bull coming in from one direction and three or four cows coming from the other. He just kind of got a little impatient and wanted to kind of push the issue, the, the issue, and they blew out. Went back out on the next trip, was in this sequence about 15, 20 minutes again, a bull cracked off a bugle, came running in and stopped broadside at 20 yards for him to get his first bull with a bow. So, all right. Uh, a coworker of mine says there's basically two breeding cycles. The first go around, things slow down, then the late cows to come in to heat, get bred the second round. Would you agree? So, okay. So, Stephen, when a cow comes into cycle, she's only in that estrus cycle for around 12 to 14 hours. If she's not bred, she falls out of estrus and 14 to 21 days later, she comes back in again. Cows can have up to three cycles a year, but bulls are pretty dang good at what they do. That's why most cows are bred in the first cycle. And then in the post rut, you have that second cycle cows that get bred the second time around. So hope that answers that question. Uh, Hunt Dornings, do you ever do lost calf sounds? Sometimes I will. Sometimes during that midday routine, when I know that a bull has gotten up, that he's, that he's done clearing the contents of his stomach and he's up moving around, there's times that I will slip in about, you know, 125, 150 yards from that breeding or from that bedding area where they're bedded down. And I will do lost calf sounds, you know, lost, distressed calf, kind of playing on that maternal instinct of the cows. And I'm trying to pull those cows out of the bedding area because really during that rut time frame, if those cows come, the bull's going to come. But what happens sometimes is that bull... He's so protective of the elk in his in his herd that sometimes he will be the first one out to see what's going on with that calf. Is there a predator that's trying to harm that calf? Is that calf lost and that bull just basically wants to, um, you know, protect his calf and get his calf and, and, and get his get his cows and group back together? So, uh, Matthew, let's hear a challenge bugle or lip ball. OK, so. Challenge. 
And then lip ball. Okay. So let me do this real quick. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. From Instagram, the Stalker Archery J, I can't see the whole name if you are still on. Uh, please message me on Instagram. You just won the white cup. Uh, eeny, meeny, meeny, miny, miny, mo. Jay Colley from Facebook, send me a message. You just won the orange. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Stop. Josh Nordwell from YouTube, send me a message. You just won their green cup. So if you guys could email me at michael at elkcallingacademy.com with your name, your shipping address, and um, if you could remind me which color cup I just gave you so that way I don't send the wrong one or if it doesn't matter. So, all right, uh, we have about a minute left. I've still got a ton of questions and comments. So hopefully that helped you guys with, um, Okay, uh, sorry, the autocorrect. Yes, your answer was exactly what I was looking for. Perfect. Okay, so hopefully this kind of helps you guys with kind of calling strategies throughout the different phases of the rut. We're down to about 45 seconds left on Instagram, so we are going to wrap this up tonight. I'm gonna go through the comments, write down any questions that we didn't get into. Next week, we're actually gonna go into solo hunting and we will dive into some more of these questions. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I would not be able to do this without all of you. I appreciate all of your support. For those of you interested in the Patreon, I've made it easy. All you have to do is go to elkcallingacademy.com. That will take you right to the Patreon page. Great advantages in there. Appreciate you all tuning in tonight. Have a great week. We will see all of you guys next week on the next episode of Wapiti Wednesday Q&A brought to you by Elk Calling Academy. Good night, everybody. Follow and subscribe to Elk Calling Academy on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon for tips, tactics, gear reviews, live Q&A, helping you to success faster. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.